Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold your horses there, mate. Another few fingers and we'd be setting off the welcome bells. Your guide says to you as he releases the hand from your chest barring the way. He kneels down just beyond where you're standing and efficiently cuts the air, causing a thin, invisible line to fall slack to either side. Alarm trap, mate. We're in grung territory. Best not to piss off those buggers. They're quiet, toxic, and very, very territorial. After this step, no more words until I give the signal, right? We don't want to end up as house pets for these things. You cock an eyebrow and look at him questioningly. Ah, you don't believe me? These small frogs, they may be cute, but they're vicious slavers. Could end up as lackeys if the poison on the blades doesn't kill you first. Roll an investigation. Hey there, creatures, and welcome to Encounter This, a podcast exploration of the creatures from Dungeons & Dragons and the lore that surrounds them. Hello there, creatures, and welcome to part two of the controversially worded and named February Suite. (laughs) I am, of course, your co-host, Freeman Bloop. Easton, obviously, and today my partner in crime, James Dungrunglung Kid, will be taking us through the Grungs. Gr- Do you say that last week? Grung? Is it a Grung? Uh, I don't know. Um, I I say Grung. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, that's what I would say too. I'm just being silly. Tell me about Grungs. I know they're. I'm guessing they're amphibians, unless you've you've gone off the path here. But already, <laughs> I'm not I'm not doing what you did in October. <laughs> it's a good call. It's probably a good call. Um, I, I'm sorry. I should say that uh, these, uh, if you want to follow along at all, these creatures are found in Volo's Guide to Monsters on page one fifty six. Take it away, Dungrunglung. As we are wont to do, uh, I would like to start with a quote from Volo's Guide to Monsters, because it seems like all of those quotes are just pure gold. Sometimes they really are. Uh, And this is one of those, I think, uh, and it's from Volo himself. Sentient poison frogs that live in trees. Truly the gods hate us. (laughs) That's quick and to the point. (laughs) I am uh, I'm a big fan of that. <laughs> no, no, Rolo. The gods don't hate you. They just don't care about you. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably more true. <laughs> uh, so they are found in 5th and 2nd edition. Uh, they were specifically brought back into 5th edition by one of the authors uh, of Volo's Guide to Monsters, who was hired after the launch of 5th of edition, I believe. Okay. They are tiny, tiny frog-like humanoids. What a theme. 
right? <laughs> uh, one of the main differentiating factors between them being frogs is their uh, opposable thumbs. So they, ha- they have dexterous hands. Oh, okay, yeah. They max out at about three feet tall. And uh, this really kind of threw me through a loop, but 30 pounds or 14 kilograms. Um, that's oh. about the size and weight of a sack of potatoes. Okay. I mean, it's a little little lighter than a sack of potatoes, but it's not far off. And do you feel like that's out of proportion? Um, I th- I like to imagine these guys as much much smaller, like in in measures okay. of inches as opposed to measures of feet. Okay. But that's that's just my personal preference. I feel like it's sometimes sometimes it's hard to get your head around like what the what the range of height would be with your your medium, your smalls, and your tiny creatures. I'm not sure what the designated. You said they're tiny, tiny. So I'm assuming they're tiny creatures. They are, yeah. But um, but tiny also has like in five E has has a broader range than the others. It's like th- this maximum height and anything smaller is considered tiny. Yeah. Oh wait, sorry. They're actually small. They're um. Oh, they are small. Yeah. Okay. They're about the size of a gnome. Okay. Because I wasn't myself also anticipating them to be tiny creatures. I don't remember much about about grungs but i thought they would be tiny yeah. so i think I'm, i think i'm with you there they live up to about 50 years old and need to immerse themselves in water about once a day or suffer a level of exhaustion which is one of the first times i think we've seen mechanics introduced in the lore because this isn't anything other than in that um that description paragraph yeah oh, okay uh, it's right in there with the bullywugs uh though they did not have a mechanical effect it just said they had to be maintained constantly moist i recall yeah and uh, we we get we kind of touched on that a little bit here and there about how legitimate that is. Um, this is specific with a level of exhaustion. Yeah, I wonder if that's uh, I wonder if that was introduced because it was Volo's guide. They're like, oh, we should probably add something to this. Whereas the Muster Manual was like a little bit earlier on, and they didn't they didn't consider it. Yeah, it's possible that it's a carryover from two E as well. Mm. Uh, beyond that, need to immerse themselves in water. They are naturally toxic, so they secrete a substance that is harmless to them but poisonous to others. And they dose their weapons with this poison. So like their spears, their arrows. Mm. Kind of handy dandy, right? Just just rub your own spear on your back and <laughs> right. hope for the best. <laughs> uh, and since they're, they're, you know, reminiscent of tree frogs, they're typically found in tropical climates, rainforests, jungles, swamps. They live in trees and they, they prefer shade. And within those temper, uh, those tropical climates, their settlements are cobbled together clusters of shelters, usually tucked away within old dead trees, but can also be found in like bushes or stuff like that, but very, very low to the ground. They consist of these squat circular buildings with windows and chimneys, and they are usually made of moss and reeds, um, anything they can really find and gather twigs, you know, that kind of stuff. Okay, so they live in the trees, but they live close to the ground in trees. Yeah. Like they tend to live in live in dead trees, like trees that have fallen. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and each house, uh, well, I guess it's a house. Each house usually holds from eight to eighteen uh, individual grung, and they're always from a single cast. Uh, we'll get into casts in a little bit here. Okay. Uh, but spoilers: they are a caste system. Hmm. Possible landmine territory, depending on how it's laid out. <laughs> it's not too bad, but it's not good. Yeah. Um, okay. We run into a lot of the same problems that we run into with the monster manual. Sure. But they're very territorial and have a superiority complex. They tend to avoid direct okay. conflicts because of their size and favor guerrilla warfare tactics. 
Oh, it was so interesting. So uh, the, the same kind of same with Bullywugs. They prefer the guerrilla warfare. Um, but uh, I have an inferior inferiority complex instead. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and they hang the bodies of their enemies to mark the borders of their territory. Ooh. Yeah, so these are, they're pretty vicious little creatures. Uh, mm. And they have no natural predators, though it has been said that tabaxi hunt them down, though the reasons why tabaxi hunt them is unknown. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so they must, they must be at least like from that same area of the world as, as tabaxi generally then. They tend to be found in Schult, yeah. Okay. Uh, and trigger warning, Grung are slavers. Oh. They are, quote, always on the lookout for creatures they can capture and enslave. And this is a direct quote from Volus Guide to Monsters on page 156. You can go look it up. I'm not making any of this up. And we're just going to go over this real quick and then get the fuck out of here. Yep. Uh, their slaves are used for menial tasks, labor, catching food, that kind of stuff. And they are fed dosed food with their poison to keep them compliant. Whoa! Hence the trigger warning. Here I thought, here I thought these these creatures were going to be like you know more indifferent and like you know not afraid to you know just take on their enemy and and they're not going to be um, merciful. But I didn't expect them to be slavers. Yeah. <laughs> like, so your yeah. your anticipation of that might be my fault because in our last homebrew campaign there was a tribe of Grung and I played them very very chill. Um, okay. Because I hate that. I I absolutely hate yeah. hate that. Um, and we're mm. we're gonna move on from it and never touch on it again. But it's worth touching on because it is going to be a very controversial part of these creatures. It is there. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so they reproduce via eggs, and they they found these hatcheries near their their homes. Uh, the hatcheries are well maintained and guarded, and they tend to be found in like like little naturally occurring pools. Uh, and that is because the Grung start life as a tadpole, which is a greenish-gray creature. Mm -hmm. Three months after its hatching, it becomes a juvenile and begins to form humanoid digits, those opposable thumbs, legs, walk upright, same thing as a regular frog. And then six to nine months later, it reaches maturity and then takes on the color of its cast. Okay. So, I mean, short lifespan, quick to, quick to mature, makes sense. I mean, I don't think 50 years is that short, but yeah. No, not really. But I mean, like, you know, uh, for, for the setting, humans live probably a lot longer than they should have, should. Right. Given, um, given our own, you know, real life history and what the lifespan would have been in the same circumstances. And then, of course, you have like elves who live for a thousand years or some shit. Yeah, so, <laughs> so comparably quite short. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I dig that. Okay, uh, caste system. Um, also going to be kind of problematic because it is, in fact, a caste system, but it's not Yes, it's not horrible. Is it, is it like top-down kind of, or is it just ex exclusory? Uh, top-down. It's, it's almost built oh, okay. like, a, like a democracy is built. You know, it's built from the ground up, um, and it's presented hmm. from the ground up. So it's, okay. it, it's not, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's not that bad, but I'm also a white man, so... So, yeah. <laughs> uh, each cast has separate hatching pools that we um, touched upon, and normally mm -hmm. a, a, a grung lives in it, a, a, its given cast its whole life, though it can, in rare situations, earn an invitation to join a higher cast. Okay. In which case, herbs, rituals, and magic can then change the color of the grung to mimic its new cast. Gotcha. 
so like this is like a like if you're part of a cast you you lay eggs in that cast and your offspring will be in that cast and rinse repeat there's very little crossover you are yeah. you and your your ancestors and your your um offspring are locked in yep gotcha yeah that's pretty that's pretty sucky yep. <laughs> pretty sucky it's also kind of reflective of our current situation but uh ah yep sure is okay so the grung there's a grung stat block that we'll go over that stat block reflects the green cast which is um theoretically the lowest cast or is presented as the lowest cast which is warriors hunters and laborers mm-hmm it also reflects the blue cast, which are artisans and domestics. So they tend to the young, they tend to the, the housing situation, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the purple, uh, which are admin um, and leaders, and their entire existence is to ensure that the blue and the grung, and the blue and the grung, the blue and the green <laughs> grung are happy and content with life and, yeah. and their situation. So there's, cool. there's this gotcha. whole level of cast to ensure the happiness of those blue. Weird. I what I was like my brain's like swimming on that like maintain they're happy and like making sure they get the food they need and or the uh, luxuries they would like or keep them happy like they keep their slaves happy. It doesn't specify, <laughs> but I like to imagine it as like local government. So we have the green right. and the blue, which are the populace, and we have purple, which is the local government. Hmm. Okay. And the next stat block is the grung wildling, which only reflects the red grung. So they are scholars, mages, and shamans. Um, my notes here okay. say the highest cast, but that's not actually true. Uh, they're okay. they're just like the highest. They have the highest population of oh, okay. of these um, of the next three casts. So they're like they're the most voluminous. Yeah, it seems to be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're like the the religious leaders. They're they're kind of out on the outskirts of society because for some reason we don't tax them. So. <laughs> You know, they're, they don't fall under the purple's domain, is, is again, how I like to look at this. Yep. Uh, and Not going to touch that one. No, nor should you. Um, <laughs> and the last stat block we're going to look at today is the Glurung Elite Warrior, which is the orange cast, which are all the elite warriors, and they're the leaders of all the previous casts. So if, if there's if a, an orange grung ever tells you to do something, you fucking do it. So they're, they're, they're the elite warriors. They're, they're the best at fights. And then there's the mm-hmm. gold cast, which are the sovereigns, the high leadership. Every tribe leader ever recorded is a gold grung, and there are very, very few of them. So they're the one percenters. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I do have to say, and this is a small and uh, apropos of nothing thing, but um, I love the order in which the, the colors are presented. Green to blue, blue to purple, purple to red. It's like really getting into the, the, the whole color wheel. In a proper order, almost. <laughs> yeah, and this is how they're and presented I, I in the book that. as well. So, like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not going off script yeah. here. I didn't reorganize yeah. these. I just kind of summarized them. I'm not gonna, not gonna keep coming back to it, but I'm gonna touch it very lightly. But I, I'd like to imagine if you do utilize them as slavers uh, in your game, um, maybe they uh, clothe dead slaves or paint them in yellow to like go down that color wheel some more. Yellow to green, green to blue, blue to purple. Yeah. Might be a visual thing, theme to go with. So here's the wild thing about me, is that I realized when I was writing this episode that I've always just assumed that gold is a metallic yellow. Right. Um, like, like if, if somebody were to ask me to describe the color gold, I would, I would infer it as a metallic yellow. So I just assumed gold yellow, yeah. was the yellow cast. 
Uh, but as as far as the internet is concerned and color theorists, that's not technically true. Okay. So, like, I was under the impression that silver was just a metallic lighter gray. No, that's not the case. Mm. That's how you make yeah. the paint, but that's not how the color is defined or the 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 shade. Like, right. it's, it's yeah. that iridescence that defines it, not not the base color. Yeah, an actual color can't have iridescence. It has to have a flatness to it, yeah. doesn't it? In order for it to be called a color and, like, registered as such. So that makes sense to me. I, I, my mind goes the same way, though. Like, I would assume, like, oh, the, the, these gold grungs are... They have a, a maybe a brighter, more iridescent sheen, um, but that's not necessarily the case. No, it's not. It uh, I guess they're just they're just metallic or mm-hmm. they, they shimmer in the light. But that's that's it for D and D lore. There's not a lot here. Oh. There's a lot of cool stuff um, mm-hmm. above and beyond this, but uh, that's that's it for the for the for the lore itself. Okay. Yeah. Pretty simple and straightforward. <laughs> uh, we do have some honorable mentions here. Uh, we have Grok, which is who is a, a a very famous grung known as the Gold King of Dungrunglung, uh, which is a settlement <laughs> in uh, Chultz, uh, which uh, comes up in the Tomb of Annihilation. And I'm going to send you a photo of that settlement right now. Oh, cool. It's just like this big frog temple surrounded by a moat of lily pads and these... Um, little outbuildings like almost like yurts yeah it looks like a massive petrified frog yeah yeah uh and this like mayan temple staircase going up into its throat or belly <laughs> yeah so that's cool because it takes place in the tomb of annihilation it is uh, everything here is very chult is very mayan inspired yeah that's neat i like that it's a bit strange that the the picture seems to be taken from uh a stone building like a turret like why i don't understand why we're looking out upon these huts and that temple from what appears to be a castle. I am unsure myself. I read Tomb of Annihilation yeah. <laughs> when it was first released, but that was ages and ages ago. And I have uh, I've since uh, passed my copy on to uh, one of our patrons. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, he paid cool. cash for it, so it made sense. But <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and then you threw it at his head, right? Nope. Nope. Uh, politely oh, okay. handed it to him. That's why James handles the finance. <laughs> <laughs> and the social interaction, I guess. Uh, okay. I mean, other than that, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool photo. Yeah. Uh, the next one on our list is uh, Nang Nang, which is one of the... Uh, so in, in Schult, in the city of Omu, spoilers for Tomb of Annihilation. <laughs> uh, you find the lost city of Omu, and uh, Nang Nang is one of the original nine trickster gods of this ancient society and nang nang presents as a grunk okay cool the last one is a uh, is bloop which is a grung <laughs> that matthew coville played on a stream of annihilation special called one grung above which is written uh and released as a module by the same uh, gentleman who brought uh grung back into uh 5e if i if i understand what happened correctly mm-hmm Okay. And I can't remember his name, and apparently I didn't write it down, but he's the GM, and there will be a link to not only that adventure path, but the live stream of, uh, of that gameplay as well. Oh, fun. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, it, I believe it was an ongoing campaign, and Satine Phoenix also took part in it, which is, you know, always great. Big Sweet. fan of her. Yeah. Uh, and we have a couple of fun facts here. The first one is uh, what I'm going to call the fact of the podcast, and it is uh, <laughs> that when candied, one tea consider grung eggs a delicacy. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yep. 
That's so good. Like like caviar, but candied instead, and frogs. Yeah. <laughs> the next fun fact here is a little more complicated, and I'm going to try and get this right, because it was worded really mm-hmm. weird, but... Okay. When their poisons are left out to cure, I think the... Um, toxicity either evaporates or leaches out. So then they harvest the poisons to create magical dyes specifically for humanoid hair. So blue grung dye massively amplifies the sound of the hair, causing it to rustle loudly as the treated creature moved, producing a deafening shockwave if the hair was shaken vigorously. What? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know where any of this comes from, but it's here. Okay. Green grung dye caused the creature's hands and feet to also turn green and granted enhanced jumping and climbing abilities, although engaging in these behaviors was said to be quite painful. <laughs> I just replayed Portal 2 <laughs> recently. Oh, yeah. And you have like the 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 different like uh liquids, different colored liquids that change, you know, your your speed or your bouncing or jumping or something like that. Yeah. But like luckily your character has these fancy, inexplicable jumping boots. That's Stop the painful landings. So yeah, my brain went just now, but okay. Uh, also strange. Not as strange as the hair, but um, okay. Purple grung dye caused the creature's hair to become sopping wet and to continuously generate purple dyed water that stains anything it soaks into. Huh. Uh, and I did write down my source here. It is Dragon Magazine uh, or Dragon Plus number 12, which is, uh, I believe, okay. a version of Dragon Magazine. So I'll try and hunt that down and put it in the show notes as well. Hmm. It's like I like the I like the idea of maybe taking the poisons and curing them and having them have these magical effects, but I feel like the execution is very strange. Yeah, <laughs> it's I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't really like it. <laughs> yeah, it's... maybe that's something to consider and and homebrew have fun with uh, your own table, because um, I think it's a cool base idea. But but yeah, shockwave hair. Uh, I'm not so sure. Yeah, there's there's a lot there to to take umbrage with, but uh, it's yeah. it's a neat idea that I liked. I would obviously, I, I would definitely do what you said and, and homebrew the absolute shit out of it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but that's it for D and D fun facts. They're not a particularly mm. complicated creature, only having taken place in uh, in two editions. So the thing I feel like is missing here is. We have these these ideas for the the poisons, but we don't have any reference for what the poisons might do differently based on each cast or color of a grung. That would be kind of cool if they had a variance um, in in their effects. I don't know if that appears in the stat blocks at all, but um, that's like what I feel like is missing from the lore, at least. And then on top of that, like you know, we have this. You said it's the largest cast is red, and there's scholars, mages, and shamans, but. There's no reference to what, what god the shamans might worship, or how they may just establish their, um, uh, their their magic. Um, it would be cool to know if scholars actually wrote things down, or are they are they uh, do they maintain oral traditions or something like that? That'd be cool, you know. And and what are the what are the artisans making? You know, the blue ones. What are the artisans making? Are they are they building the homes with the laborers? Are they are, do they create art, such as the big frog temple? Um, it's cool that those are all separated, but I'd like to know more about what the hell they're doing. Yeah, I, I agree. And there's not much. The only the only god that we know for a fact that Grung worship is specifically in Shulton is Nang Nang. The and I couldn't right. find anything else on any other 
um, mm-hmm. any other deities that they worship, but they're not yeah. they're not supposed to like they don't really um, exist in a whole lot of places in the Forgotten Realms. So that's probably why right. because they're such a um, a geographically limited creature, mm-hmm. uh, which is unfortunate because I you know you know give me that Maztica setting that I want and then fucking make it all about Grung. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we we're, we're in the same boat with the Bullywugs, right? We talked about how they were geographically, you know, rooted, and whether or not that was believable or 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 good or fun or what have you. So a lot of shared things there. But uh, I mean, I feel like I feel like these guys could have some expansion. They they feel like a the Bullywug, which was had so much love that I had to skip over a bunch of shit, and they were there from one to five all the way through. And these ones were in two and have been stripped, brought back to uh, in in five e. Um, so it feels like they're they're similar, but just didn't didn't have the chance to receive as much love over the years. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think you're absolutely right, and I you know I want more from these guys. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just this is unfortunately what we have at the moment. <laughs> that that's it. Unless the listeners out there have uh have made their own homebrew grung stuff, which would be fantastic, and I want that. Mm. But in uh in our world. There is no lore analog, but there is a real world analog, and that is the poison, uh, poison arrow frog or poison dart frog. Oh yeah! So I'm gonna send you a bunch of photos in in the chat <laughs> of uh, what these guys look like. So there's there's one there is a fr- uh, like a color of, of poison arrow frog that reflect every cast. I mean, the gold is right. actually like like a really deep sunburst yellow, but yeah. It's the best I had. They look so cool. It's like hard to believe the blue and the purple actually are that color. Yeah, definitely. Just doesn't doesn't look real. <laughs> really neat. Yeah. So these are also very small. They're about they're between 1.5 and 6 centimeters in length total or about 0. 0.5 to 2.4 inches. Oh, it's so small. Yeah, and they weigh 28 grams or 1 ounce. Like our grung, they are native to tropical areas, and they are brightly colored. Uh, though throughout all of the colors of poison dart frog, in my research I found that purple appear to be the rarest. Like they're they're often noted as being very very difficult to find, if if at all. Mm-hmm. And they are also very very toxic. <laughs> the poison arrow frog secretes a toxin that is derived from their ant their diet of ants, mites, and termites. And oh. the color of the frog is associated with their toxicity level uh, because their, their toxins come from um, like their alkaloid levels. So mm-hmm. I'm not a scientist and I don't fully understand the words that I'm saying. So be <laughs> gentle when you correct me because you're going to correct me on some of this stuff. Uh, they are what is known as aposiomatic, which is uh, when your bright colors advertise that you're not good to eat or you will be toxic, like some caterpillars or, or mm-hmm. other things. That's easily one of my one of my favorite and most I find the most fascinating like levels of evolution is that like you in these bright colors you would think that's like saying hey I'm over here come get me you know but it just they, they clearly evolve into certain colors that will be recognized by other animals and it's like a it's a stay away it's like oh don't go near that color I know that color is bad yeah exactly yeah I, it's, it's a really it, neat version of evolution. Yeah, it really is because it just it makes me think of like how certain animals can see different in different spectrums of of light, you know, different colors that we can't, and like it just plays into all that and mixed up. It's uh, I find it fascinating. 
Uh, though not all of them are, are toxic, some of them uh, mm. use their brightly their their bright coloration as a a form of um, like faux aposematicism, like like okay. advertising yeah. that they're toxic, but they're not actually toxic. <laughs> Just another layer of how fascinating it is. <laughs> yeah, so there's a bunch of different species um, that we're not going to get into. We're just we're just doing some general facts here. Mm-hmm. If if anybody is an amphibiologist or what, whatever the term is for a frog mm-hmm. scientist, uh, some of the frogs excrete. Some of the frogs, their toxin is used to make a painkiller called epibatidine, and this mm-hmm. painkiller is 200 times stronger than morphine. Oh. Uh, well, about 200 times stronger than morphine. I'm sorry. I shouldn't exaggerate something like that. Mm-hmm. But the therapeutic dose of it is close to the fatal dose. Dose Like, if the LD is, you know, 30 milligrams, this is approximately 28 milligrams. Like, it's the, the line in which it becomes lo- lethal is, is, very, uh, is, is very close to the line wow. where, it, where you need to have it to work. That's how potent this shit is. Crazy. Uh, and most of the frogs, uh, they are toxic, um, but pose very little risk to uh, human beings, except for the golden poison frog, which is the yellow one that I sent you. This frog contains enough toxin to kill 10 to 20 men, or about 10,000 mice at any given time. <laughs> what? Oh my god, this one ounce frog. <laughs> yeah, this one ounce frog can kill 20 full grown men. Holy crap. Um, I'm just like, okay, I'm so glad that you, that it, it went down the road of, of morphine and painkiller too, because I was thinking as soon as you said, uh, mentioned their toxicity and alkaloid levels, there was that specific piece of lore for the bullywugs about how they have no, the shamans worshiping Ramanos who ha- doesn't really pay attention. He's mostly just sleeping. Um, so they don't really have any obligations to the God, but they do. He does represent like, uh, uh, what's, I forget the term. It was like, like drinking or, or like, you know, uh, imbibing, you know, things that would get you high essentially. And so they would, they would consume local alkaloids. And now I'm just imagining them, coming across a grung group and like trying to like get the poison from them so they can get high. <laughs> I love that. Like that's their bar- that's their salt in Schult is is yeah. is uh is grung poison. <laughs> it's a great way to combine those two cultures. Yeah. <laughs> that's fun. I like that a lot. Uh that's pretty much it for uh I don't want to call it cultural lore but cultural mm-hmm. fact um as I can present it to the best of my abilities as a layman. Yep, fair enough. So honestly there's not a whole lot of difference. Like they're pretty I mean, I don't know if uh poison frogs or poison arrow frogs are um specifically territorial, but I wouldn't want to fuck with their territory. Yep. <laughs> pass, hard pass. Like the colors are all there, the toxicity is there, the tropical na- uh, the native tropical areas is there. Um, I think the caste system caste system probably reflects the toxicity in uh, in poison dart frogs, but mm-hmm. I uh, I didn't yeah. want to dig too deeply into these things because we're not a science show, and yeah. I would just yeah. do a worse job of presenting <laughs> that than I think I already did. <laughs> If you haven't listened to our dinosaurs episodes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go now. It's the, I was so pretty we drunk can... when we were doing those. <laughs> the least scientific science episodes ever. Yeah. <laughs> I think that the uh, the caste system can be easily um, made less problematic 
simply by um having them uh, having offspring put into casts that um that they prove to um uh have a uh, a penchant for like you know oh, they, like an aptitude test exactly so it's like you you you, you <laughs> little you froggy career to, day yeah <laughs> yeah you get to choose your your cast or you're you're placed in one that that suits your uh natural abilities rather than you're just stuck there no matter what yeah um so. Yeah, and again, I don't, I don't find this to be a super problematic cast system. I mean, there is the ability to move up. I wish there was the mm. ability to move around. Like, right? It's the fact that one is one one is treated as higher than the other, but not necessarily because of like the government structure that you you were you were imagining. It's like it, it's maybe kind of there, but it's not explicitly mentioned. Yeah. So you know, the the whole up and down is what makes it sort of problematic. You know. If someone just happens to be born into the warrior cast, but is actually probably the potential of a really great leader, there's a very tiny chance and very rare a circumstance in which they will rise. Um, but you would think it would be all a little more flexible. So that that's how I would play it. Like it's more more of an aptitude test, like you said. Um, you 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 show your your uh, true colors, if you will, <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> uh, and then you are placed or choose to be placed in the appropriate spot. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. I would just homebrew their whole civilization. Like I don't mind yeah. that green like that their their roles in society are color coded. It's yeah, it's me neither. it's the, the cast like the, the, the actual cast system itself that that bothers yeah. me. So I would just remove that into. from the case. You know, it's it's okay to have a golden tribe leader, but you know, in my world that would be you know, the gold the gold frog is painted gold or Mm. You know, it's um, it becomes gold as it as it descended with the power of the Nang Nang or something like mm-hmm. that. Like I would, I would give yeah. it a, a mechanical reason, um, a real reason, as opposed to just saying that uh, gold are better than everybody else because that's how they were born. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it's just just sort of not smart. I almost wonder, like, if you did like a change the colors of a bit, you'd be like, you know, there are certain grung that are born green, and that is an indication of um uh their uh their physiology and their biology and they are able to um separate into yellow or blue they're more likely to only just have two options because their their body will or their brain will develop in a certain way and that's represented by their color Mm. rather than just taking on the color you know and do the same thing with like an orange like you have an orange one and they can go red or gold they kind of play with it a bit uh, anything to get it out of the caste system is is yeah, really acceptable at yeah. this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this is such a problematic entry in Volos that I'm surprised it's not talked about more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, here's a nepotistic caste society who are also slavers, but don't worry, they are fucking adorable. And listeners, <laughs> they are fucking adorable. They really are super cute. <laughs> I love the way they look so much, but I, I, the lore uh, disgusts me yeah. to no end. Well, the two E are they look really vicious. Yeah, you you posted that there, and they look nasty, covered in warts, and like really, they got these sh- like tons of like what look like sharp teeth, um, real real gruesome grin. But the five E art, they are literally plush dolls. Like they are so cute. Oh yeah, <laughs> you want to pet them on the head, but with a glove on. <laughs> yeah, definitely, especially that gold one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, I think I think the the five E lore pretty well reflects you know other than the problematic stuff sure yeah yeah um and i don't want to i guess i should confirm that like the golden poison arrow frog or the golden poison dart frog that we're talking about 
is different. Like it's from a different genus than like the orange poison dart frog. Oh yeah, okay. Um, so these aren't all the same creature in different uh, different color schemes. They are they're all listed as you know they're all in the same family, but they're but they're mm-hmm. um ju- like like the species is different. Yeah, fair enough. I think. God, I hope that's right. <laughs> okay, science over. Oh well. You say that, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty math. <laughs> Fair. Math is a science, right? Um, I have no idea. <laughs> like we talked about in the cast system, we have uh, three stat blocks here. The first one mm-hmm. is the grung, the simple grung that reflects the green, the blue, and the purple. Okay. They are CR one half with 11 HP and 12 AC, so um, I, don't, I don't understand their role. Uh, you have one quarter here. Oh, yeah. Sorry, one quarter. Okay. What I have written is correct. Uh, they are small, humanoid, uh, subtype rung, and they are lawful evil, which I guess reflects the slaver position. Mm -hmm. They speak grung, and they're immune to poison, and they're immune to being poisoned. Uh, yep. They have a movement speed of 25 feet and a climb speed of 25 as well. Uh, Their stats are pretty dump. Um, the strength is minus two, the dex is plus two, the con is plus two, and everything else is a flat zero. Yeah. Uh, I didn't include it here, but they do have a bonus to their dex save, athletics, perception, stealth, and survival, and those will stay consistent across all three stat blocks. I just, okay. I don't want to talk about them. I think that shit's so boring. <laughs> They're a little bit sneaky and a little bit athletic and yeah. dexterous. Go. <laughs> They have a few abilities here. The first one is amphibious, so they breathe air and water. Mm-hmm. The second one is poisonous skin. So when grappled, the grappler needs to make a DC 12 constitution save, or they are poisoned for one minute. Okay. And poisoned makes you, like, disadvantage on your attacks, essentially, right? Yeah, attacks and ability checks. Okay. When the grappler is no longer in direct contact, they can repeat the saving throw at the end of their turn. There is no immune on a success here, which I think is fucking perfect. and their final ability is called standing leap they just auto have a long jump of 25 feet and a high jump of 15 feet one attack which is a dagger plus four five feet or thrown 20 over 60 and it is a 1d4 plus two piercing damage also a dc 12 con save or they'll take 2d4 poison damage to reflect the fact they dipped their uh, dagger in their sweat i guess nice yes Pretty all right. Yeah, they're fine. I feel like the 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 one sort of downside here to the poison skin is that it's like it's only to a grappler. Like, I mean, in my experience in five e, not many people bother grappling. <laughs> and yeah. um, yeah, so it's a it's it's quite specific. I mean, it's probably because it's only like the R one quarter, I guess. Like, like uh, some I mean, some creatures are like if you attack it, if you t- melee attack it at all, you'll you'll you know, something will splash on you and you're, you're subject to the effects. But in this case, it's so specific, kind of makes it easy to bypass. It also makes it make sense that it's specific. Like if mm-hmm. you, like, you're not going to get splash, like it's not poison blood or, or actual right. poison yeah. sweat. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's skin is excretes yeah. this, this toxicity. So you would have to come into physical contact with it. And unless sure. you're brawling, the only way you're going to do that is via grapple really. Ideally, these things can grapple you, but they have a really low strength, so I guess not. <laughs> yeah, that's how I would play it, is that maybe, you know, 
four or five of these things jump out of a tree at the PC yeah. and then like attempt to grapple with advantage because they're yeah you know, falling at it or whatever. The next one is that elite warrior that reflects the orange and gold cast. Mm-hmm. They are CR two, so up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Forty nine HP, thirteen AC. Small humanoid grung, lawful evil that speak grung immune to poison and being poisoned and then the movement speed is the same the only thing that's changed in the stat block is the dex is a plus three instead of a plus two uh, and their their charisma is a plus one as well oh yeah the charisma is a plus yeah. one yeah thank you they have all the same abilities and they also have the exact same dagger attack which is a plus five to hit this time around and 1d4 plus three piercing damage they also have a short bow attack which is the exact same as the dagger attack except it's 1d6 damage and they do have an ability that I like here. It's called Mesmerizing Chur. This is a recharge six. Uh, and each creature that can hear the grung within 15 feet um, must make a DC 12 wisdom save or is stunned until the end of the grung's next turn. Stunned? Holy jeez. What's a chur exactly? I'm assuming that's an actual... Interesting. It's spelled C-H-I-R-R. Yeah. It's Prolonged um, low trilling sound. Cool. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that's quite the effect for, you know, 15-foot range stunned i mean it's a low dc but geez it's also a recharge six mm, re- okay oh yes okay yeah still though uh, yeah <laughs> it's one of those one of those like uh if you get a real bad luck in the party like everyone can get stunned at once even if it only happens once in the combat it could be real dangerous real quick <laughs> the amount of times that i've run hellhounds against you guys and rolled a recharge five six on the first round is, is <laughs> often it's happened almost every time i've run them so. they always, they, they're almost always a dangerous one for us yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. And I run. Don't them stand often. in front of it, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quick! It doesn't matter if it's a recharge. Don't stand in front of it. Yeah. Uh, and the last one we'll look at is the Grung Wildling, which reflects the red Grung. These are a CR one with twenty-seven HP, thirteen AC, or sixteen with bark skin. The rest is all the same. They they maintain that plus three Dex, and they have a plus two to their Wisdom. So it's uh kind of a big boost for dropping a CR, but. Mm-hmm. Whatever. They have all the same <laughs> abilities, uh, and they also have spellcasting with a DC of 12 and a plus 4 to hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, cure wounds, jump, bark skin, spike growth, and plant growth. And they have the exact same attacks as the, uh, the elite warrior, the uh, short bow and the... Yeah, okay. The short bow and the dagger. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, the thing that comes to mind is this, I find it funny that they have, they have the standing leap ability... Um, which, you know, by all accounts can be quite impressive, but then they can cast a jump on top of that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm pretty unimpressed with all of these stat blocks. <laughs> I really like this creature. I, I really like the bones of this creature. I think it could be really cool and really fun. Mm-hmm. I hate how many of the creatures that I like are in that like one to four CR range. Oh, man, I was literally just thinking that. Like, we have these, there's so many creatures that have multiple stat blocks, and they're usually so low that they can only be an early campaign enemy. And you're like, what? Why? (laughs) Orcs weren't very high, considering what they are. Uh, Gnolls were disappointingly low. Bullywugs, low. Grungs, exact same spot as the Bullywugs. Like, yeah. I hate if I'm going to run a 5e game, I got to choose between goblins, orcs, you know, grung, <laughs> bullywug. Yeah. Like, I, I have to choose between these things. 
for the most part. Otherwise, you know, it's just going to get boring for the PCs. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's that's just a problem that happens at at my table. But yeah. I know when I throw the same villain at you guys more than four or five times, it's you know, it's boring. <laughs> Yeah, it is boring. Like you, I mean, you do want a variety, and then sometimes it's fine to bring a creature back, but in like more quantity, you know, at a higher level. So like you can increase the, you know, you know what this creature's going to do, but you know it's a little more dangerous because you're now you're facing, you know, five of them instead of the one or two, um, and that can be fun. But yeah. that, like that's kind of one of the better ways to rinse repeat it. But we're, you're sort of locked into doing it with the, with all of these creatures because they're all so low. And like we all know, I think everybody knows that D and D five E is not fun unless you're level three <laughs> or up. <Yeah. laughs> it's level one and two suck. I kind of <laughs> feel that way about any of TTRPG. Like there's uh, a reason yeah, a sure. lot of adventures start at third level. Yeah, seriously. Uh, it's when shit starts to happen for you. And, you yeah, know, you, first and second level should happen really quickly. Like, you mm-hmm. know, you should be yes. second level within five hours of playtime in any TTRPG. I don't give a shit about anything that any, <laughs> uh, like, I don't give a fuck what kind of arguments you could possibly have against that. You will not mm-hmm. change my mind. After five hours, I should be second level because I've learned my character. <sighs> yep. Except for, you know, in the case of maybe you're doing a one shot to introduce new players. But anybody who's been mm-hmm. at the table more than once, you should be second level within five hours. Yeah. And, you know, third level within a couple of sessions. Like it should not last more than four or five sessions total at second mm-hmm. level. And then once you hit third level, then you can start slowing down the level. <laughs> Unlike our uh, other, other podcast, Stemming the Tide, in oh, which okay. it took. Approximately me, 15 hours? <laughs> it makes me so angry how long that took to level up. Yeah. Yep. Uh, like, we should be leveling once every 10 hours, I think, at yeah. most. At the absolute most, every 10 levels we should level, or every 10 episodes we should be leveling up. Well, that's, well, that's what we did, though, right? It, was the, it yeah. turned that 10 episodes in and we leveled up, but that was... With recording time and editing, uh, like you know, after editing, it's about ten hours worth. But before yeah. before editing, it was about fifteen hours or maybe twenty hours of actual play. Uh, fifteen <laughs> is is pretty close. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yes, uh, it feels a lot longer when you're doing it that way. Yeah, <laughs> it really sure. does. We're still stuck at third level, and it drives me crazy. <laughs> but that's uh, that's it for Grung. Um, I would obviously change most things about these stat blocks. Mm-hmm. I do really like the abilities. Yeah. Um, I'd probably add some damage to that poison skin if I were to up the CR. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's only like 1d4 or 1d5. Mm-hmm. 1d5. What the fuck is the matter with me today? <laughs> oh, man. 1d4 or 1d6. You know, per round, uh, I think that's that's totally applicable. And I would mm-hmm. add some strength to the uh, the elite warrior so it could grapple. Uh, otherwise, what are we even doing here? Yeah, that didn't make any sense. <laughs> I did just double check the jump spell just for curiosity's sake. And there's two interesting pieces to this. Uh, one is it triples your jump distance, meaning they could jump a height of 45 feet standing or a length of 75 feet. <laughs> standing um the other interesting part is and this doesn't come into play for a lot of people especially at lower levels but the material component for jump the grasshopper's hind legs <laughs> i mean that should be pretty easy to get like that's one yeah. of those things that would just be covered <laughs> in a material component pouch yeah if you play a spellcaster just... and you don't take a material component pouch you're doing it wrong 
Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Like, like there's, a, there's a reason uh, <laughs> they just give it to you at first level. Yeah. Just if you don't, just go buy one quick. Like do both if you have if you, have, if you need to. Yeah. I just love the 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 near irony of like you need the hind legs of another jumping creature to cast your jump spell, and you're like a hind leg jumping creature, you know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. Something sort of, like, macabre about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is... It is what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't... I don't know, man. It's, I would just... <laughs> I, would, I would love to see these guys at, like, CR5, CR6. And yeah, that's, I, that's what I would do. I wish I had more inspiration from them like I did with Knowles. I had to slowly form this, this campaign in my head as we did that suite. And, um... And this one, like so far, I that other than that one connection between the bullywugs getting high and Grung's poison, <laughs> which I think will be fun to play with, um, they could clearly be in a similar territory or nearby uh, neighboring territories. But um, I don't have much inspiration of how that would all come together, uh, which I'm sort of sad about right now because just I feel like there should be more to these guys. Yeah. So the way I did it is. Um... You guys were doing a hex crawl. You had come out of a out of a cave, and you were looking for a a lost mine. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you were looking for a lost mine that was um, mithril, I think, or or something like that. It was an old metal mine. It's been a while, uh, and you found a guide to like take you through this hex crawl. Mm-hmm. And he was a he was a local trader. So what he would do is he'd go out into this wild, and he would trade with the orc tribes, and he would trade with the grung, and he introduced you to the grung, and he would trade their poison, uh, f- for like honey or something like that, and he oh, would yeah. then take the poison back, and they would make medicines out of the poison. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, and you guys interacted with real... them, and, and they were yeah. they were really like I I really pitched my voice up, and they were really like a helpful local tribe. I don't really mm. understand what the need for them to be like standoffish is. Right. Uh, I mean, it's entirely the problematic part of it. All of that is that it's entirely possible. It's actually far more realistic that um, there would be tribes that are friendly and will trade, and. This, the wording of they're all slavers is really problematic. That's the that's the problem, you know, is that they are. What? Grungs? All grungs? Yep, they are. Like, why? You know, maybe some could be, because, like, you know, ignoring slavery is, is uh, you know, pretending it doesn't exist or never existed. You don't have to put it in your game or whatever uh, at all. But, um, you know, they're, they're, some people will vouch for or argue for um, the verisimilitude and, and realism if you will um of it existing and that's all well and good but like the idea that only one creature is that is just so bad yeah. and it, it, we did touch we touched on it in october like so we don't have to rehash it again but i just i feel like i had to say it again it's problematic that all are this it's not yeah. it, it should not be the case don't do that in your game because it's not interesting it's not fun and it's not creative hashtag not all grung <laughs> jesus Okay, let's finish this episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, if you like that, you can get at us on our socials, uh, Facebook and Twitter at EncounterPod, Instagram at Encounter.Pod. If you really like this episode and you want to request a show like the Jorogumo from a couple episodes back, you can find us on Patreon.com backslash EncounterPod. $5 a month will get you a handwritten thank you letter and access to the show notes that we used to produce these documents, as well as access to our private Discord where you can get a hold of us anytime. $10 a month, you can suggest that 
at Creature. And if you could take the time to rate and review us on your platform of choice, that helps new people find us. And we are always looking for new people to add to the fold, Creatures. And as always, thank you for listening.